Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Praise God. All right. So we're talking about faith and healing for a while. Anyhow, on Wednesday night, next week is going to be our Just Seeking the Lord uh, service. It'll be the last Wednesday of the month. So just to let you know that. So come prepared just to worship God, honor Him in this place and just take what we've learned and basically wanting to just saturate ourselves with it and make it become a reality in our lives. Okay, section number one, keys to success. We're just going to go through some of this. I know it looks like a lot of material, but these are foundational things. I think, I know, I believe we all should have an understanding of. So number one, know God personally. We could probably stop right there and talk the rest of the night about that. Know him for yourself. Know know him for somebody else, for somebody else's relationship with God or fellowship with God. Know him for yourself. Jesus said in John 17, first three verses, but number three, he says, this is life eternal, that they might know thee. That they might know you. And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. It's about knowing God for ourselves. There was a time when I didn't know him, and there was a time you didn't know him, but thank God, we now we know him, right? Know him for yourself. Number two, exalt God's word above reasoning. Oh, you talk about a big step for growth and development. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Wow. Really? Think about that. What a huge statement. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways and thoughts are much higher than ours. But yet we, we kind of gravitate toward and lean toward what? Our understanding. Because we're limited. He's unlimited, but we're limited. But yet still we trust ourselves more than we do Him. And so it's important that we learn to exalt His Word above reasoning. Number three, be Spirit-filled and maintain a Spirit-filled life. Be Spirit-filled and maintain a Spirit-filled life. It's one thing to be filled with the Spirit. It's another thing to maintain a Spirit-filled life. And we're taught how in Ephesians chapter 5, 17 through 20, where it talks about being not drunk with wine, where's an excess, but be being filled, constantly being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord will help us. Why does he want us to be spirit-filled? Because <laughs> if we're not spirit-filled, we'll be self-filled. That's right. And that's not good. <laughs> no, no, no. Number four, learn to be led by the Spirit or Spirit-led. In Romans 8, 14, those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So, in other words, He wants to guide us and direct us along the path of life. And it could be whatever the situation might be. As far as healing is concerned, we expect the Spirit to lead us into what we ought to do in that situation that we find ourselves. So, it's important because He knows more than we know about the situation. So, it's important to be Spirit-led so he, we would know what He would have us to do. Number five, believe in our words. I cannot emphasize this enough, and we've talked about it a lot. But in Mark eleven twenty three, that wonderful scripture, Jesus said, this is how faith works. You've got to believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass. 
and then you'll have whatever you say. So I've got to believe something, but what I have to believe is in my words, that what I say with my mouth will come to pass. Powerful verse of scripture, death and life are in the power of the tongue. We know that you're justified by your words, you're condemned by your words. We know that. There's that speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. It brings healing and wholeness. And so our words that we speak are powerful containers of life and death. And it's up to us to really take it to heart. He says his reigns will rejoice when our lips speak right things. So we could say many things about that, but we've got to believe in our words. Next, number six, is that we need to walk in, and everybody should know that, is what? Love. love. Walk in Love, not always an easy thing to do, especially when you consider that Jesus said, if you want to be mature, like your father in heaven is mature, love your enemies. Wow. Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use and abuse you and speak well of those that speak evil of you, that you may be perfect or mature like your father is in heaven. These are just some keys to success. Number seven, resist the devil. We need to learn to resist the devil, not invite him in, Amen. but resist him, Amen. not give him entry points, but resist him. He'll put pressure on our senses, put pressure on our flesh. Why? Because he knows we could be weak in certain areas of our lives, but we need to learn to resist him. Submit to God, resist the devil is the, is the proper protocol. Number eight, control our thoughts, control our thoughts. We know the verses. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God that are pulling down the strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Wow. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. My goodness. Not an easy thing for anybody to do, but if we want success and if we want to grow, these are some of the things that are important. Number nine. Stay humble and teachable. Stay humble and teachable. James 4, 6 says, Humble yourselves in the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due season. He will lift you up. Amen. So, humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift us up. If we want to have more revelation, more understanding, more knowledge, then it's up to us to humble ourselves and be teachable. So he can instruct us in what we need to know. Okay, if we're not teachable, then of course it's going to be a difficult thing. And number 10, maintain a conquering spirit. Amen. Think about who wrote this. Think about Romans 8.37 where the Apostle Paul said, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. Do we view ourselves as more than conquerors through him that loves us? Notice not... In yourself, but through him who loved us, are we more than conquerors? And he talked about life and death. He talked about principalities and powers. He talked about all kinds of things that came against him and said, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. What a right attitude to have. Amen. Which Paul had a tremendous attitude. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He learned. That was a learning experience for him. He learned how to be content in all circumstances that he faced. Second section, knowing God's will is so important to succeeding in these areas of our lives where we have need of, whether it's healing, deliverance, wholeness, growing and things, maturing, maturing things of God. So before anyone can have a steadfast faith, the first word there is steadfast faith, 
For anything, one must know the will of God. Remember that those verses in 1 John 5, 14, 15? This is the confidence that we have in Him if we ask anything according to His will. He heareth us. How do I have to ask? According to His will. Well, what does that do with the sometimes way people pray when they say, Lord, if it be your will? Yeah. He, didn't, he said, pray according to my will. Yeah. Ask according to my will. Don't say pray. Don't, don't pray if it be your will. Pray according to His will. What does that mean? I got to roll up my sleeves. I got to dig deep into the Word of God. I got to find out what the, what the will of God is. If I can't find it in the Bible, then I should go to Him in prayer and ask Him, what is your will in this situation? If you tell me what your will is, isn't that what David did when he lost everything at, Doth, at um, Ziklag? He incurs himself in the Lord after he lost everything and said, should I go after him or what? Go. Well, now that's the will of God that you go. And what happened? He succeeded. All right, so we need to know the will of God. Why? Because faith begins is your next word. Where does it begin? Where the will of God is known. Otherwise, we're stepping out on our own. If you're Peter... You don't want to step out of that boat until you hear the word come. Guaranteed, if you don't hear the word come, to step out would be dangerous. Okay? All right. So, if I need to know the will of God, how do I discover the will of God? Well, we have some thoughts to share with you. Number one, and this I believe is like a little package I put together for us so that we could put a, wrap it up, put a bow on it, and just say, here it is. Okay. This is your gift. All right. How do I know the will of God? Some people say, well, I prayed and nothing happened, so it mustn't be the will of God. No, that's not how you find the will of God. That's not in the box. Number one, creation. Creation is a revelation of the will of God. Okay. Go to creation. Was there any sin, sickness, disease, mental anguish in the garden? No, not at all. Was there a man and a woman living together in the garden? Were they living together in the garden? And we know for how long before they sinned, but weren't they together in the garden? Sure were. Weren't they in harmony in the garden? Yeah. I guess they probably knew each other in the garden. Probably. Right? Yeah. They weren't writing books on what men know and what women don't know. And men don't know about women. Women don't know about men. And men are from Mars and women are from Venus, whatever, the, all that stuff. No, they were, were living together in harmony. Yeah. Right? Until someone else came along and brought something else in. So in, in, in creation, everything was perfect. No sin, sickness, or disease. So it wasn't there. So it's not the will of God that any of that exists for man in his own will. Secondly, notice this. The fall doesn't represent God's will for man. It does not represent. So what we're living in does not represent the will of God for man. Can we see that? All right. So listen. Bible says, by one man, sin entered into the world. So who brought sickness and disease and evil into the world? Adam opened up the door. See, the devil was on the outside trying to get in. And he got in because man opened up the door. If he didn't open the door, it wouldn't enter, he would have never entered in. So what we're experiencing is not the will of God, which is why Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Okay, number three. Jesus represents God's will for man. All right, so in creation there was no sickness or disease. Sickness or disease is in the world because of the fall of man, not because of the will of God. Thirdly, Jesus, when he walked on the earth, said, I came to do the will 
of my Father. So obviously everything he did was a representation of the will of God. And who did he heal? How many did he heal? Did anyone ever get turned away? Did he ever one time say, God is teaching you a lesson? Did he ever say that you can serve God better with that sickness or that disease? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, when everybody came to him, can you imagine if he had to have a conversation, a deep conversation with all of them about why they're the way they are and all that? How many could he have healed? He wouldn't have the time. He healed them all. A revelation of the will of God is in Jesus. And following through the Gospels, not one person was turned away ever. They were all healed. He healed them all. That's the will of God. Then, number four, life on earth when Satan is bound. Bound. Remember for a thousand years he'll be bound? Well, that represents God's will for man. Why? Because in the book of Isaiah, chapter 33 and verse 24, you know what it says? In that time, no one will say, I am sick. Read it. During that 1,000 year millennial reign, no one will say, the inhabitants thereof will not say, I am sick. Can you get through one day (laughs) without hearing someone say, I am so sick? Think about it. Can you imagine a society for a thousand years and no one saying I'm sick? Wow. What would that do to the industry, the medical field? Think about it. For 1,000 years, no one's saying it. We're so used to hearing it and saying it that it's like commonplace to us. But hey, that's the will of God. When Jesus is on the throne and reigns out of Jerusalem... And the government is resting on his shoulders. No one's going to say I'm sick. Number five, life in the eternal kingdom represents the will of God for man. This is like the book ends at the beginning creation. At the end, the eternal kingdom are the book ends. All right. Well, how's it going to be? Revelation, what does it say in chapter 21, the first few verses? He will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There'll be no more sorrow, no more sighing, no more crying, no more dying, no more woes, no more mental anguish. All those former things are gone. They're passed away forever. That is the eternal will of God for men. So if we really want to be established in the will of God, we need to know by creation, the fall, Jesus, the perfect will of God, the 1,000 year millennial reign of Christ, no one's going to be sick. And then finally, an eternal kingdom, praise God. Can you imagine that? Wonderful. No sickness and no disease to contend with whatsoever. Hard to imagine that kind of a society. But anyhow, that's where we're headed. All right. All that put together, now let's talk about receiving from God by faith. How many of you know that God does not have to continue to go to some school to learn how to be a better giver. Did you know that? He doesn't say, well, hey, wait a minute, I've got to take a new course. You know, I've got to update my uh, learning. Does he? You know, continued education. You know how we sometimes go through continued education? As a matter of fact, some people that have certain jobs, they're required to go on for continuing education because things are always changing. I I tell you what, when I I had a battle with, you know, this 1996, I always comically say it this way. 
I haven't had a cashew since 1996. A cashew. Because when my wife was pregnant, and I was walking through the mall when the mall had stores in it. Remember that? Then there was that frontier nut and candy thing. Remember that one in the middle of the mall? And just before, as the time was coming that she was to deliver, we'd walk through the store, walk through the mall there. And I would just walk by and I was somehow just attracted to go to the cashews. I'd get a little bag of cashews and we'd walk around the mall, you know, and I'd be eating my cashews as I'm walking through the mall. Well, kind of did me in. Diverticulitis kind of did me in. And I ended up in the hospital for three days because of diverticulitis, which is, I didn't even know that was the condition. Um, from eating all those nuts and I guess and whatever. But anyhow, from that whole time, I haven't touched, touched one. Not one at all. And I was told no seeds, no nuts, no popcorn, no this, no that. Well, this is how many years later? Since 96, quite a few years later, wouldn't you say? 25 years later? Now you can eat anything you want. It doesn't matter. Now you can eat anything you want. Oh, trust me, I was on it. I was on it. My wife got on this health kick and she was buying all these um, vitamins. Well, they, they came in capsules. Mm. Like a contact plastic kind of capsule, a time capsule that dissolves slowly. Well, I hadn't had a bout with diverticulitis for a long time, for years at all, because I stayed away from the nuts, the seeds, and all the blah, blah, blah. Right? Because that's, that's what they told you to do. So that's what I did. Yeah. Maintain a high fiber di- diet and so on. And um, she gets on this kick. This thing I know after about a cu- couple of weeks into it, all of a sudden, a flare up. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, where did I change? What did I change in my diet? Well, then I went online and I found uh, some things you can really find online. Yeah. Those capsules, they don't dissolve very well. They're time released for a reason. And they can actually pass through you with a lot, a lot of it not even digesting. So um, while they're telling you you can have anything you want, I'm not educated along the line of medical field and dietary and all that stuff, but I, I'll tell you what, I said, I'm sorry. You may change your mind now, but my body says don't do it. Because every time I put something in there like that, that didn't dissolve, and it got stuck in one of those diverticuli, which ends up being diverticulitis, which is not good, you know, then um, I had a flare-up. So I maintain a high-fiber diet and do my part. God does his part. By the way, to show that God does his part, which we talk about talking about your words, believing in your words, I've been declaring it. I'll tell you from the very beginning. The doctor said, we were because I had a huge, like a, almost like a baseball right over here, this huge, where it was backed up. Okay? And he thought, for sure, we're going to have to take that section of your you know, intestine out. And I was like, stunned by all this whole situation. You know, just like a good Italian wife, but when I was having the pains before Wednesday night service, she says, what you need is a good meal. Yeah. <laughs> that was the last thing I needed. <laughs> I was putting more in. It wasn't, wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't budgeting because it was getting bigger and bigger. Well, let's give you a good meal. That'll make you feel better. Oh, I was delirious after that. Well, he said, we're going to have to cut this out of you. You know, we have to check it out and that and so on and so forth. And that's when I started declaring, well, 
All diverticuli removed from my body in Jesus' name. As far as I'm concerned, diverticuli just can't live in my body, etc., 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 etc. And when I finally got to the place, I had to have this colonoscopy, you know, and um, did it. And the doctor said, you know, hmm, you know that diverticulitis, the diverticuli? And I, he said, yeah, well, it's really minimal right now. Well, what was maximum has become minimal right now by declaring the word over it. And I thank God for that. Amen. But then again, I still maintain what I do on my end, if you know what I mean. So I just keep on doing that and thanking God for the victory over that. So um, the, what I'm saying is the medical field can change over the years and say, remember when milk wasn't good for you? Yep. Remember that? And then it was, it was good for you, then it wasn't good for you, then now it's good for you again? Yeah. Remember when chocolate wasn't good for you, then yeah. chocolate's good for you? And... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My point is there's a lot of changes, but God doesn't change. Never. He doesn't change. He gives us the best counsel, the best advice as to what to do. Okay, receiving by faith. So, faith is not blind like some think. It must be based on evidence. There has to be evidence. Those that say it's a... It's a Blind leap of faith. No, it's not. Peter did not just jump out of the boat without the word come. Okay? He saw Jesus walk on the water. And he knew that if Jesus told him to come, that he can do it also. Okay, so that's exactly what he did. Well, consider who our faith is in, first and foremost. Well, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 12 tells us, The one we have faith in, he made the earth by his power. He established the world by his wisdom. He stretched out the heavens by his discretion. Wow. Think about that. Look at those credentials. We are believing in someone who by his power created everything. You think he has a little bit of wisdom? By his wisdom, he established everything. By his discretion, he stretched out the heavens like a curtain. We can go on. He names all the stars. He knows every number of hair we have on our head. He numbers them. What wisdom. So the point is, if we're believing in someone who's that kind of a teacher, who has that kind of a knowledge, we might want to sit at his feet and hear what he has to say. Amen. Wouldn't you think? Amen. Absolutely, because that's who we're believing in. Yeah. Okay, next. Consider his faith. Hebrews 11, verse 3. What does it say? By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that appear were created, not by things that are seen. We don't see the things, but not, they weren't created by the things that we see. So this is his faith. This is his faith. He speaks and everything comes into being. He says, let there be light and there is light. So he is using faith filled words to create all things and set all things in motion. Not only does he only create all things, but he upholds all things by the word of his power. They continue to function as they are because of the word of his power. He actually says this, don't you fear me, says the Lord, who set a bound for the sea. He set the sand as a bound for the sea that the waters Pass over, will not pass over, by a perpetual decree. What, stop all, what stops all the ocean waters from covering the earth again? A decree. 
Would you call that powerful? Wow. Isn't that amazing? That the waters obey his voice? Well, Jesus proved that when he was here. Okay, so consider him and then consider what he taught. That's your next word. Consider what he taught. What did he teach? He taught on receiving from God by faith in Mark eleven twenty two through 24. Yeah. What did he say? Have the faith of God or have faith in God. For verily I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says will come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. He's teaching the law of faith, the prayer of faith. So in your notes, we have a revelation of four major principles regarding faith. Faith believes, number one, before it receives. It believes. It's important that we understand the teacher is the creator. The teacher demonstrated his faith in all of creation. And he's telling us how to use our faith, okay? It starts with what things soever you desire. What things means anything. That's your next word, anything. Doesn't matter what it is. You means anyone, any child of God, any child of God. Desire means something that you long for. So what is it that we long for? Something based on a need. I have a need. I have a need for healing. I have a need for help. I have a need for strength. I have a need for deliverance. Whatever my need might be. So anyone, any person, anything, this applies to. All right, so what is it that you desire, he is saying. All right, next is the condition for receiving. That's your next word. Your next, next asterisk, it says, the condition for receiving is, when you pray, believe. When you pray, believe. So God's promise, is your next word, is to answer believing prayer. Believing prayer. Remember Matthew 21, 22 says, all things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Why do you put that word believing in there? Because it's believing prayer that gets results. All things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing so believing is step number one. You've got to believe. You'll get your prayer answered. So our prayer next is, must be a prayer of faith. And our believing is at the time we pray. Those are your next two words, faith and time. If not, then we're operating in what is called mental assent. Mental assent, not faith. In Matthew 14, 29-32, this is Peter walking on the water. He believed and acted out his faith. So he believed something that Jesus said and acted on what Jesus said. So faith involves a present tense action. Are your next words. A present tense action. That we must continue until the miracle is consummated. A present tense action that we continue in until the process is consummated or the project is consummated. So in other words, we stay doing the same thing, even though there 
You see, if the circumstances can distract us around us. Well, little faith began the process but couldn't finish it. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? Oh, ye of what? Little faith. But little faith began the process but because it was little faith it didn't consummate the process. It fell short. So it's important that we understand we begin something in faith and we stay in faith until we see the consummation of it. Okay. Number two. So the first principle is I've got to believe first. Faith then receives the moment it believes. And these are important principles. Faith receives the moment it believes. I believe, I receive. So we have to start there. Have received is a better translation of that in Mark eleven twenty four. But faith receives the moment it believes. So this means that faith accepts the petition as already granted, already granted at the time of prayer. So I'm believing that God's going to hear what I say, what I'm going to ask for him for. And then the moment I do, I receive it. I accept it as granted to me the moment I ask him. In 1 John 5, 14, 15, we're going to say this one over and over again. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know we have. We're not going to get, we have the petition we desired of him. So, I believe, I receive the moment I ask. Why? Because I'm asking according to his will. That's how I know he heard me. Now, F.B. Meyer, a tremendous teacher of faith, have received, notice this, did you get the word above that first? Okay, it's evidence. Faith accepts the answer as being uh, granted even though there is no evidence of it in the material world. I believe it's granted to me even though there's no evidence of it in the material world. See, there's two realms that we're dealing with here. The spiritual, the unseen, or the visible, and the seen, the material world. I'm going to believe I receive it in the invisible world before it materializes in the visible world. And this is the process. F.B. Meyer says, have received is violently, these are your next words, violently active and physical. Violently active and physical. So in other words, we grab a hold of it with bulldog tenacity and say, I've got it, it's mine right now. And I'm holding on to it actively, declaring that it's mine. So... Another translation would be, believe that you have taken it. Believe that you've taken it. I received it. I have taken it. It's mine. It belongs to me. Why is that important? Because remember Jesus said, hold fast that which you have. Because mm -hmm. someone's trying to come along and steal it from you, take it away from you. All right. So, faith does not believe that God is going to give the answer in the indefinite future. God's going to do it. I know he's going to do it. No, that's not faith. That's hope. Faith says, I prayed, I believe I received, and I have it, and I'm thanking God for it. 
But if I'm saying God's going to give it to me, God's going to do it, that's the future, that's not faith, that is hope. And it sounds like you, you may think you're splitting hairs, but we're not splitting hairs. This is so important. This is why many don't experience the need met. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God, faith, that's not faith. Do you walk around saying, God's going to save me, God's going to save me, God's going to save me? Or do you say, I've been saved by faith, through, by grace through faith? I have been saved. Same principle. I believe I received a miracle and I have it now. Well, I don't see it. Well, I don't see you in heaven either, but you're telling me you're a child of God. I don't see you in heaven. Are you there yet? You believe it though. Right. Absolutely. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. All right. Same principle. Now, faith believes the answer has been given. Next two words. It's been given. I asked him for it. It's been given. I believe I receive and I have it. Of course, I don't see it yet. If I saw it, there would be nothing to believe. If I saw it, I would know it. I know these are sometimes hard for us to figure out in our head because it runs cross grain with the way we think. But whatever it is that we're asking God for, we're to believe we received it when we asked him and therefore we have it. Now, we're not going to get it. Now, next, only the things we believe we have received are your next two words. Only the things we believe we have received are the things that will physically manifest. The things we believe we have received are the things that will physically manifest in our lives. So faith believes and now faith receives at the moment of prayer. I'm supposed to believe I receive it. Well, when you asked Jesus to become your Savior, did you believe you received him as your Savior? Yeah. Right, you did. When did you believe you received him? When you prayed and asked for him to come into your heart. Did he come in? Did you see him walk in? But you believe he's there. Because you believe you received him. Did you ask him to heal you? Yes. Well, then I believe I received my healing. If I believe I received my healing, why am I saying God's going to heal me someday? God's going to heal me. God's going to do it. See, that's the enemy's trick to get us out of faith into hope. So that we're not operating in the realm of faith. That's the realm of reason that's out there. We're trying to reason things out. It doesn't work that way. Number three, faith does not continue to ask for what it already received. Why would I continue to ask for something I already received? Did I receive? If Jesus, now remember this, I'm not teaching this. This is the one who made the universe teaching this. He said, whatever you desire when you pray. Okay, you have a desire when you pray. Number one, believe. Two, you receive, believe you receive them now when you pray, or better translation, believe you have received it, or believe it was granted you, and then it will materialize. So it's just the opposite the way we think. People will say, I believe, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, that's the opposite. Jesus said, no, you got to believe it to see it. He told Doubting Thomas, and we call him Doubting Thomas, which is really an injustice to him, but anyhow, because he was a strong person of faith. But um, he said, Thomas, don't be doubting anymore. You see me. You believe now because you saw me. <clears throat> but blessed are they who without seeing still believe. Our faith is to be in believing what we haven't seen. But because we believe we have received it, it will materialize if we 
stay with it, walking on the water. So faith does not continue to ask for what's already received. Why would one ask, is your next word, <clears throat> for what one has already received? To ask for it again is to say you never received it when you asked the first time. People get confused about this. This is very simple. Very simple. Okay, can I have your Bible? Yes, you can have my Bible. Okay, here it is. <clears throat> Juris, it's in your hand. Can I have your Bible? What? You asked for the Bible, I gave you the Bible, and you're asking me again, can I have the Bible? Can I have the Bible? Can I have the Bible? That doesn't make any sense. No, it does not. In the natural, does it? No. Why are you asking, why are you asking me for it again when I just put it in your hand and said, here? Yeah. You'd be standing there with the Bible and saying, can I have the Bible? Can I have your Bible? See, the point is, we don't see it. That doesn't mean we haven't received it. Amen. I'm to believe I received it. Right. Then I will have it. Not believe I'm going to get it, but believe I have received it when I ask. Well, then how do I know that I've received it? How am I sure that I received it? Because if you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know he hears us, then we know we have the petition. Mm -hmm. Not going to get it, we have it. So I have it. Thank God I have it. And I'm supposed to act like I have it, like I know I have it. Why would I ask him again for it? Now, we're not talking about interceding for somebody else who's out there living a life that you're interceding about. That's a different kind of praying. This is receiving for ourselves our need met. Okay, so 1 John 5, 14, 15, it always comes up. We know we have it because we asked according to his will, and therefore he heard us. Now, notice this. If we know he heard us, then we know we have it. So knowing he heard us is knowing we have it, is your next word. Did you get all those? Yep. All right. So he heard us, and knowing he heard us means I know I have it. That's the confidence that I have in him. Now, in Psalm 37, verse 5, commit thy way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. Notice, commit your situation to the Lord. I did that. Trust. Why am I trusting? Because after I commit it, it's now in his hands. I say I believe I received it because I asked him for it. It's in his hands now. I'm the trust. He's at work on my behalf. Trust means I've got confident in his in, confidence in his integrity. He is working on the project, whatever it might be. So I know he is at work in my situation. I just sit back and say, I believe I received it. You know, once again, I know I, I do this often, but I, I think it just helps us better understand when we asked the Lord for a left pulmonary artery for Andrew, we didn't ask him for one 20 times. We asked once. Then we said, thank you that he has one. Oh, thank you that he has one. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for his left pulmonary artery. We thank you that he has a left pulmonary artery. Thank you for nine solid months, non-stop, all day long. Thank you for his left pulmonary artery. Hallelujah. Thank you for his left pulmonary artery. He's got a left pulmonary artery. Oh, we just thank you so much for it. Thank you, Lord. You heard us. We know we have it. And then nine months later, when they did another echosonogram, and oh, no, catheterization, I mean, this guy comes running out of the, uh, the, the room where he had the, you know, the procedure done and into the lobby where we were waiting and just about dancing and says, he's got a whole left pulmonary artery. It's, it's whole. C couldn't believe it. Well, we believed it. We asked for it, we believed it, and, and we thanked him for it. So that's how faith works. 
So we rely on someone's, on his integrity. Trust under Psalm 37.5, your word is rely on someone's integrity. From the heart, we are confident that God is doing his part to bring what we believe into the material world. Whatever we believe for. God's doing his part to make it materialize. In other words, that's not our part, that's God's part. Seems like he has the harder part, don't you think? Well, is anything too difficult for the Lord? Is it too hard for him to make a left pulmonary artery? No. Okay, faith always faces the battle, and this is the fourth one, and while this is really a biggie, faces the battle of the time lapse. It faces the battle of the time lapse. Between every promise and its fulfillment is a wilderness in between. How we act in the wilderness, or what we call time-lapse, that's your next two words, time-lapse will determine if we experience the promise. How are we acting in the time-lapse? What's the time-lapse? The time you asked for it and believed you received it, to the time it materializes, is a wilderness. How we act in the wilderness will determine if it materializes. If we abort the faith project, it will not materialize. If we stay with it, it will materialize. Put Peter back walking on the water. He was walking on the water, walking on the water until what happened? Distractions came. He starts looking all around, got his eyes off the word. He begins to sink. So it was called little faith. He didn't have enough faith for it to say, for it to consummate, the whole miracle to be consummated. Well, Jesus called that little faith. I know people get offended by that. I don't know why. I mean, that was Jesus calling him. He said he had little faith. No, you tell me I don't have enough faith. I didn't tell you I had enough faith. You have faith. But we have to learn how to use our faith. And we have to learn about the enemies to faith and how we could be out of faith. If we're honest with ourselves, there are times we know we're out of faith. Right? All right, John 6.63, there are physical laws and there are spiritual laws. Jesus said the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So there are physical laws and there are spiritual laws. God has spoken... And his words are creative and powerful. By acting on his word, we cooperate with the spiritual laws, expecting, is your next word, his power to change physical circumstances. I'll say it again. By acting on his word, we cooperate with spiritual laws, expecting his power to change physical circumstances. That's what we're doing. This is the physical, and we want the spiritual to change the physical. The way that happens is... Believe you receive it, declare that you have it, and continue thanking God in faith until it materializes. Not asking Him every single day for the same thing over and over and over again. If your child asks for you, you for a cookie and you put a cookie in their hand and they kept saying, can I have a cookie, can I have a cookie, can I have a cookie, you would think there's something wrong with them. It's in your hand. Why do you keep asking for it? Same thing. In the spiritual realm, you see, if we looked at it through spiritual eyes... That's how God sees it. You asked before and I gave it to you. Why do you keep asking me a thousand times? Why don't you just thank me a thousand times? In that time lapse, then of course, you're just praising him that you have it and then he'll make it materialize. Okay, there are many things uh, God has committed to do but can't do until someone by faith touches him and activates his miracle working power. So your words are committed to do, touches him, and activates his miracle power. He's committed to do everything for us, but we've got to tap into it and activate his power. Let, let me give another example. Did he die for the world? Yeah. 
Is it his will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? So he's willing that all men be saved. That's his will. Is everyone saved? Why? Didn't God save them? Well, if he saved them, it's up to them to receive him. If they don't receive him, matter of fact, John chapter 1 says, says that clearly. He came to his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, see the difference? To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. So it's up to us to receive what he's given, activate his power to be born again, which is what we've done. The problem of the time lapse involves the time between the release of our faith and the actual manifestation, is your next word, or realization of what we prayed for in the physical realm. This is the problem of the time lapse. We get weary in the middle of it in well-doing, and what do we do? We faint along the way. He remember he said this, you'll reap in due season if you faint not. Even the young men can weary and faint. It's they that wait upon the Lord that renew their strength, mount up with wings as eagles and run not weary and walk and not faint, right? But he said, look, you will weary and faint if you get your eyes on the situation and don't keep your eyes on the promise and the fact that you've received it. So if we want it to materialize and manifest, we stay in faith. It's during this time that the enemy challenges our position of faith. Powerful words. It's during this time that the enemy will come along and challenge our position of faith. Wasn't that what he did to Peter walking on the water? Oh yeah. Exactly what he did. He steps out of the boat. He starts walking on water. At first he's just... Wow, prouder than a peacock. Yeah. Look at me. I'm walking in water like Jesus. But then it says he got his eyes on the wind, the waves, and the sea and said, what in the world am I doing out here? Have you ever been there before? It's like something rocks your world. You're walking in faith. You're walking by faith. And all of a sudden, you get a negative situation, a, you know, a challenging situation. You get distracted from the word. And you, and you, you could abort your faith project. Well, that's when the, ch the enemy will challenge us. Fiery darts will come our way to deceive us and produce doubt. Look, that's his profession. That's what he lives for. To produce doubt in people's minds. To confuse us. Deception. To deceive us into thinking that God didn't hear you. You know why God didn't hear you? Because the other day you ate too much. He saw you eat that extra piece of pie. Or scoop of ice cream. You, you can't be good enough to walk in faith. He'll use anything and everything he can to get us out of faith because he knows that's what works. So, Peter's walk on the water was interrupted because he gave into the pressure of his senses. Listen to that. His walk on the water was interrupted because, you see, he started off in faith, but it was interrupted because of the pressure put on his senses. You really can't be doing this, Peter. Hey, Pete, you can't do that. Human beings don't walk on water, Peter. They just don't. Well, I started to. Yeah, I understand, but you know, you, this is wrong. Look around you. You see those 30-foot swells? Are you out of your mind? Get back in the boat. He's distracted now. You don't receive your healing. Why? 
I believe I received it when I prayed. I prayed yesterday at 12 o'clock. I believe I received it. But did you feel that pain? Did you feel that? Distraction. To get us to focus on the symptom. Which, what did Jonah call it? A lying vanity? You're believing in the lying vanity rather than the truth of God's word. You're not exalting the word above your reasoning. Above your feeling. This is called the fight of faith. Remember, this is not talking about a picnic of faith. It's talking about a fight of faith. Which means it takes putting forth effort and energy for us to stay in faith. And that's for all of us. I'm no different than you are. Okay. First Timothy 6.12 Fighting the good fight of faith involves standing against. To use forth, to stand against, the, let's say, the progress of an enemy is what fight means. Can you imagine this? Uh, what's going on? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm about entering to the ring, ring in, a, in a boxing match. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So you walk in there. Well, what are you going to do? I'm just, just going to stand there. I got knocked out in the first round. Why? I, just, I don't know. I stood there. He came and hit me. Go figure. And there I am laid out. Or do you think it's wise to use force to stand against your enemy? So we have an enemy we know coming against us. We need to use force. What's the force? Faith is a fight. Not with guns, knives, bombs, and the list goes on and on. But with words. David said to Goliath, after Goliath said to him, You're going down. I got my sword, my shield. Right? And my spear. You're going down. David says, you done? You come at me with those weapons, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, who this day he will deliver you into my hands. You've heard the expression, those are fighting words. Well, those are fighting words. Who won the battle? Goliath believed in himself. David believed in Jehovah God. And how did he get him to work for him? With his words. So you stand against the strategies employed by Satan to dislodge us from our position of faith. Dislodge us. Dismantle us from our position of faith. I'm staying in faith until I see the results is what the point is. So, in Ephesians 6, 10 and 11, he tells us to do what? Be strong in yourself. Oh. In the Lord and the power of his might. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able, sufficient in resources, power and strength to do what? Stand against every wile of the devil. All the wiles of the devil. I'm standing against something. So to stand, our stand is your next word, is to continue believing God has heard us and we've received what we asked for. You're too late. Another report came up, but you're too late because I already received my healing. That's all there is to it. See, Hebrews 10.23 tells us to hold fast our confession of faith without wavering. Why does it say without wavering? There's a reason for it. Notice this. Because, why? Because faithful is he that promised. I'm supposed to be looking at the faithfulness of God. Amen. Is what he's saying. Amen. Hold fast your declaration of faith without wavering. For faithful is he that promised. So we hold fast our confession of faith without wavering knowing. Are your two words. 
without wavering, knowing. Knowing what? God is faithful. God is faithful. Hallelujah. So to put the whole thing in a nutshell, we could just conclude by saying this. I need healing. I'm going to ask God for healing. Because I believe it's his will that I'm healed. Because by his stripes I was healed. So I'm asking you to heal me, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I believe I receive my healing now because that's your will. So I believe I receive it at 7.55 on this wonderful April the 21st, snowy day. I believe I receive my healing. And therefore I have my healing. Uh, But the devil says, you don't look healed. I'm not talking about how I look. I'm talking about I believe I received it. Yeah, but look, but look how you feel. I'm not talking about how I feel. I believe I received it. You really think you, you received it? You think you're going to get it? I don't know. I'm not going to get it. I have it. You see, this is the fight of faith. This is the argument that you have with the devil. Listen, Mr. Devil, you don't see it. You're blind. I'm not. I see it. But faith, I have it. Thank God for it. Amen. Glory to God. So get out of here. Amen. I'm thanking you, Father. Psalm 118, verse 21 says, I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and you've become my salvation. So I'm healed. I'm healed. I call myself healed. I call myself delivered. I call myself set free. I call myself whole. I call myself what God calls me. More than a conqueror to him that loves me. So as far as I'm concerned, it's a done deal. We don't have to see it. We believe it. We have it. It's done. And guess what? God's got the big job. Make it a reality. Let's all stand together before the Lord.